right, so I just want to say welcome to Sons and Sparrows podcast. Um, I'm joined with a much larger crew this time. We have uh, my my darling wife, Sarah's with us today, and uh, my brother and sister, the Rands, <laughs> the Rand family. What up? I'm so glad that you guys are here. I really am. We're honored. Good, good, good. I'm so I'm excited for this. We've been we've been talking about doing this for a, wa- a long time, a good while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, they've been able to slide on through and spend some time with us and just share some things that's on their heart. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to, or me and Sarah just wanted to ask a few questions and see where you guys are at and and whatnot. Sarah, I think you you said you had some questions that you wanted to start off first. Yeah, I said you could ask them for me, but (laughs) (laughs) jumping right in. Okay, so tell us a little bit about yourselves, where you guys came from, and how did you come to know the Lord? You want me to go? Yeah, you can go ahead. Okay. Um, So I was born and raised in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um... Baptist background, <laughs> Southern Baptist. Oh, snap. Black Southern Baptist <laughs> background. Keep um, yeah. <laughs> um, And I officially came to know the Lord when I was about 23 years old. Um, I have felt the Lord and like the Holy Ghost when I was younger in church, I didn't know what that was, but there were moments where, like, I would feel his presence during worship, um, and I would, like, want to cry, but I couldn't put language to it, and so I kind of just suppressed that, Mm -hmm. um, that's the best way I can explain it, um, but I knew that it was something, and then, you know, I did go through my wild years, (laughs) Who doesn't have wild years? Um, you know, partying. Sarah didn't have that. <laughs> Sarah's perfect. Sarah's a saint. <laughs> she is. <laughs> so I'm, I'm convinced that Sarah came from one of the disciples. Yes. The lineage. <laughs> My wild years was like listening to Ludacris when I was 13. That's as bad as it gets. Yeah. <laughs> and right. And that's still not bad. Still not bad. That's still not bad. Everybody listened to Ludacris. You know, I was. I think my mom would listen to Ludacris. Yeah. But, yeah, I did go through some wild years, partying and everything that came with that. I won't go into details. Um, But there was a point through all of the partying and all of that where, for some reason, I don't know what, but I felt, I started to feel empty and, like, something was missing, um, almost kind of like, I was depressed. Um, I dealt with a lot of anxiety. Like, I would wake up with anxiety in my belly. That's the best way I can explain it. Like, I would wake up and feel anxious. I would be nervous to go to work, to go to school, just always, like, nervous and anxious on the inside and, like, feeling empty. Um, And I did have a few friends that I did party with. They kind of, like, they turned away from partying and, like, 
gave themselves to the Lord or found the Lord, however you want to word it. And so during my time of um, just feeling empty and like this dark cloud over me, I knew I could turn to them. And so I did. I remember specifically like texting one of my friends and just being like, I need help. I don't know what's going on. Um, her name's Vanessa. She's so sweet. Um, and she was just like, oh my gosh, like, I'm so glad you reached out. I love you. The Lord loves you. And I was like, what? I don't know what that means, <laughs> but I need help. And so, you know, she invited me to church and I went to church. And from that moment on, like, I never stopped going. Um, and what year was that? That was like, oh God, I don't know, babe. I was 23. <laughs> so you ten, don't have to 10 tell. years ago. Yeah. So like 10, <laughs> geez, you make it seem like I'm old. You're not. We are. <laughs> I'm, I'm older than you are. Yeah. Anyway, I was 23, I believe. I'm 31 now. So you do the math. Um, 23 or 24. And so I went to church like on my own as an adult, like it's not, it was different, you know, from going as a kid and like waking up at six in the morning and like having to go to church and like put on nice clothes. And like, I went for myself. Um, and I was dating someone at the time. I thought I was going to marry him. Um, so, you know, I went to church and I was like, this is great. Like my life is complete. This is what I needed. I needed to come to church and, I had my boyfriend and we're going to get married and like I thought everything was just great and then the Lord like completely shifted everything. Yep. Um, went to church, still felt like something was missing. I was like, what is going on? I don't understand. I'm going to church. I'm doing all the right things. I stopped partying, smoking, drinking, all of that. Like why am I still feeling empty? And um my boyfriend at the time, he was actually an atheist, I believe. Um, or he like didn't believe in the Lord. And he ended up giving his life to the Lord. Oh, wow. And I was like, this is great. Like, we're both going to church. We're going to get married and have kids. <laughs> like, this is perfect. And again, something was still missing. He gave his life to the Lord and like he encountered the Lord, you know. And I, again, I was young and new. I didn't understand any of that. But then the Lord met me June 8th. I don't know the year, but June 8th. It was probably like, I don't know, 2014, 15, something like that, 13, in my room in the morning. It was like dark. And I remember waking up crying let me go back the night before that someone that I knew of I didn't know this person but he was a photographer and I was doing photography at the time but he reached out to me and pretty much preached the gospel to me like th the Holy Ghost just put laid it on his heart to be like this is what the gospel is it was super random but it was the Lord and I was like wow I've never heard it that way before and so you know he shared that with me that night like over the phone. And then that morning is when I woke up and I just started weeping. And I was like, what is going on? And I was weeping because I wanted what he shared with me. 
when he shared the gospel. And from that moment on, like, the Lord met me in my bedroom on June 8th. I was by myself. No one led me into a prayer. He literally met me in my bedroom. And my life was changed from that day on. Like, it was different from that day on. I literally felt like a veil was lifted. Like, I had that encounter, got out of my room, went out, like, into the house, and everything was, like, brighter. That's the only yeah. way I can explain yeah. it. Like, yeah. it's like my whole world <laughs> changed, and it was awesome. <laughs> it was so good, and, yeah, everything changed, and I was still dating the guy at that time, and I was actually on my way to his house to tell him I was going to be like, oh my gosh, like I met the Lord. I understand now. Cause remember he had given his life to the Lord before yeah. I did. And, um, I was like, so excited. I was like, yeah, we're going to get married. Like now I understand. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I always wanted to, to be a wife and a mom. So that was just kind of like, you know, I was like, this is it. Like I know the Lord now. And, I went to his house and before I could even <laughs> before I could even get the words out of like, hey, like I met the Lord in my bedroom. Like I understand now. Like I'm so excited. Before I could get those words out, he broke up with me. <laughs> oh man. And he was, you know, it was devastating. It was devastating for me. <laughs> Um, again, cause I thought like he was the one and the Lord was like, the Lord just removed, like he removed everything pretty much. Um, and in that moment, I know that I could have been like, all right, Lord, like I gave my life to you and then you take my boyfriend away. <laughs> that was, that was kind of my mindset, but I remember I had a, there was a choice that I had to make. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, y'all, I was devastated. Like I was crying because there was just so much emotion. Like I met the Lord, you know, and then like the guy I thought I was going to marry, like broke up with me and, you know, that was like my dream. Yeah. And it was, it felt like it was snatched away, but it was the Lord's goodness. Mm. Um, and I was single for like seven years after that until I met. Justin. Um, and again, that was the Lord's goodness, but like I chose to stay the course and remain and I'm so glad I did. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how it started off for me with the Lord was like, I met him and then things just got stripped away over time. And of course there was like maturing and growing and learning and there was a lot of stuff that happened in between, but course with the Lord. <laughs> um, yeah. We have a lot of similarities in our stories besides the parting part. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that about you. I knew I liked you for a reason. <laughs> um, so you were talking about the anxiety that you felt before mm -hmm. you were awakened um, to a new reality. I'm just curious, like in a world where anxiety and depression yeah. is almost exalted. Even mm -hmm. in the church, it mm -hmm. can be exalted. You know, we're supposed to acknowledge in some places that it's a real thing. 
No doubt it is, but did that change? Did that leave instantly when you met the Lord, or was that a process? I think it was a process because, again, I was still, like, learning and things were, you know, being broken off, old mindsets. Um, But I do remember one day, like, the anxiety was just gone because I'm telling you, I would wake up and, like, there was, I would feel it in my belly and I would have panic attacks a lot. I remember, you know, having panic attacks at school and they would have to call the ambulance to come get me and I would have to go to the hospital because I would pass out. Like, it was that bad of just really bad anxiety. Um, And I don't even know what, you know what I mean? Like, I don't even know where it came from. It was just fear and, like, fear of man and anxiety. And you wouldn't know it on the outside, but it was a struggle on the inside. Um, But I remember just waking up one day and, it was gone from my belly, and that's when I knew. And it's never, like, I've never had to deal with anxiety like that ever, you know, again, um, which I'm super thankful for, because I, I do feel like in today's society, like, people wear it as, like, a badge of honor, like, yeah. oh, I have yeah. anxiety. Um, I'm going to go get counseling, and, you know, I'm just like, that's great, but, like, don't be proud of, having anxiety or like depression or wearing it as as like a badge of honor like that's not our identity (laughs) like it just doesn't make sense but um I know a few people where I work or even people that come into where I work mm -hmm. you know with the profession I work in and you can either feel it off of them or they say it verbally with their mouth like the very first thing whenever you say hey is everything okay well, you know, I have anxiety, I have depression, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm taking medicine for this, and I'm like, that, you can tell just by the way that they say it, that it's become so normal for them, mm-hmm. that that has become their identity. It's mm-hmm. like, even trying to bring a light of hope yeah. seems so far off in the distance for them, that it's, this is all that they know, is, I have anxiety, I have depression. That is their name to them. Yeah. Right. It's almost like if you were to ask them their name, in the spirit, they would right. say, my name is anxiety, my name is depression. Right. And it's really, really sad because you're like, man, if only you would just take what's in my hand. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's almost like you can kind of see now when, when yeah. Peter was like, silver and gold, I have none. But what I do have, and in his hand, he had light right. to bring them out of that darkness. Mm-hmm. But that is, that's so, so true. You get on Instagram, Facebook, mm-hmm. whatever, right? you know, and you, you hear a lot of these people get on there like, man, you know, I'm I'm dancing or I'm I'm telling jokes in front of a camera, but they'll sit there and tell you like I, I'm miserable. Yeah. You know I'm I feel so depressed. I do this for people like you. You know I I see people around microphones. You know that sit around the table, and they'll be like, "Why do you post uh, risque pictures on your Instagram?" And they're like, "Oh, well, I don't do it for likes." But then like five minutes later, you get down to the bottom of it, and they're like, "Well, I like the validation." Right. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's it's. The idea, it's 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 deep down. The root is an identity issue. Yeah, they don't know who they are. They, exactly. Yeah, and I was just curious because you were talking about um, everything being different, and that's mm-hmm. very much like my story. Except I didn't, I never dealt with anxiety, but it was depression for me. It's the the only known time, or the only time I know that I had depression 
was when Derek and I weren't together and he had come to know the Lord. And so I thought, yeah, it's going to be great. Well, I was raised Catholic. I believe in God. Like, let's go. Um, But I remember like not sleeping, not eating. Mm -hmm. I was losing weight. I, um, I remember asking myself like, what is wrong with me? Like I probably need to go to my parents and ask them to take me to a psychologist or a psychiatrist and get some help. But when he came in my room, I just, and not everybody's stories like this. I know it's a process for some people, but like you said, it was like my whole world had changed. I can't even pinpoint the moment, but I know like it just, that heaviness just lifted suddenly and my appetite changed. Mm -hmm. I, there's nothing I did in my own strength, but I mean, instantly Mm -hmm. it was like everything was brighter Mm -hmm. I couldn't feel sad if I wanted to and I haven't you know been able to pick that up if I wanted to right I love hearing that yeah it was amazing it was it was literally like a veil was lifted yeah and like everything was brighter and it was amazing I was thinking about that song um you came that we were singing last night at practice it's just what I thought of when Mm -hmm. you're describing your experience I think it does, and you know, I'm I'm not on a stage singing for a worship team, but I, I do think it makes a world of difference whenever you sing from a place of experience, Absolutely. because when you play and when you sing like that, because you're able to like, it's almost like a declaration versus, well, I hope you come, but yeah. when you know that he came to you in such a way, like it's not even trying to compare us and Paul, it's not us for you know, to c- compare my experience to yours, but it's like he came in this darkest moment of my life. So when I sing this song, I'm speaking from experience and he's going to come for you too. It's not, right. man, I hope he comes to you too. He will because he came to me. That's right. So I, I, I love hearing these stories because these are different from, you know, Justin, I, I know your story is different. Yeah. It's different from how, you know, he came to me or, you know, so it's, it's really, that's really, really awesome. That's really cool. I'm really eager to hear your story, Justin, because I've only heard it from your brother and right. Landon. Yeah, it's a, it's a wild one, for sure. Before I get to that, I did want to read something when Fallon said, you know, us wearing wearing those things like like badges of honor almost, yeah, like wearing it on our sleeves. I, I, did want, I had written something about that a while back, and I just wanted to share that. I felt led to share it. Um. We have got to stop allowing our failures to become badges of honor. We always hold on to doubt, shame, guilt, worry, anxiety, tiling them up on the wall of our minds like a prisoner of war. Like we are adding patches to our cloaks of conservative consistency, when in reality we are burying ourselves in inconsistent compromise. We allow the lust of our flesh to initiate a knee-jerk reaction to our feelings and emotion. So I implore you, Strip away the patches, burn the badges, and destroy the desire of doubt. Mm. Take off your robes that are keeping you cloaked in burdens and stand bare bones naked before the God-man named Yeshua. If we cannot become comfortable in front of the comforter, we will never be able to experience true freedom. It's time to get intimate, quit being rebellious, and get under his wings of authority. It is possible to live righteous and holy. Wow. I forgot about that. Yeah, I thought I was going to write a book at one time. I still may at some point. You need to, I man. But, you it, saying that. but it's gonna. It'll be called F bombs and memoirs. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> Sarah's like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. F 
F-bombs and memoirs. What is, just clarify, please. What so, is the F-bombs? So mean? the F-bombs will be like, each chapter will be something with the letter F, like freedom, faith, like faith. Okay. stuff like that. Fallon. <laughs> yes. Fallon. Yeah. Ferret. She, she was like, I got to have a chapter. <laughs> Ferric, Farrah, Fallon, Ferric, Fallon. That's hilarious. Wow. Um. So yeah, I, I, I'm from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, originally. Um, I was born and raised there. Uh, my my parents were divorced when I was, I think, four or five. I think they separated when I was four, divorced when I was five. Um, my mom raised me uh, as a single mother. I would go to my dad's on, uh, you know, like weekends and like every other weekend and holidays and on Wednesdays. Um, and so that was kind of my family dynamic up until 1996. Um, my mom met uh, my stepdad, um, which is... Uh, Pastor Jason's my brother it's his father um, I was like eight years old at the time um, Jason's 12 years older than I am or 11 years older than I am so he was in college at the time he was like 19 um, and then they got married in 90 I think they got married in 96 or 97 I don't I don't remember the exact date um, but uh we then became a blended family, um, and I remember um, when I met Jason and our sister Stephanie, uh, them being, like, so cool, you know, because they were, like, way older than I was. I was like, man, this is my brother and sister. Like, they're freaking awesome, <laughs> you know? Like, they're cool people, and, like, I, I wanted, you know, I think I had always wanted you know, a sibling, and I have two half-brothers from my dad as well, but they had kind of, like, they were already, you know, married with kids and, you know, live, living off doing their own thing. They had kids when they were younger, um, in their late teens, early 20s. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but, yeah, so, like, I had always wanted a brother and sister, and, and, and I got one, which was really cool, or got, got one of each, um, added two in addition to my other two brothers that, were kind of more present um, that I could like relate to more. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I would just see them more often than I, than I would my half brothers, um, and so. But I was the only one living at home with uh, Michael, my stepdad, who I called Dad, and my mom, and that they raised me. Um, my my father raised me as well. Um, he ended up getting married um, when I was 18. But through through the ages of like 13 to 26 or 27, I just, I, I was wilding out. I was, you know, I was being rebellious. I was wanting to fit in. I was pursuing friend groups that were... Uh, that I, I thought were cool, and so pursuing them would allow me to be cool, um, and there, there were many times that I got called a poser because I would, like, I would start doing something all of a sudden, 
and it was obvious. Like I would change the way I would dress. I would like just trying to fit in. Mm. Like I remember the, the summer from going into ninth grade. Um, I kind of a lot of my friends had started skateboarding in the uh, in the neighborhood, and and I started too. But I, I sucked. I was <laughs> I was terrible when I started. But like I went and got like a new skateboard that summer and like changed how I dressed completely. It was getting like Spitfire shirts, World Industry shirts, <laughs> like all the skateboarding stuff. I had the baggy jeans and then I went and got some uh it was when Walmart actually came out with some skate shoes and they were called NSSs and it stood for nice skate shoes. <laughs> but but they were like a little bigger and bulkier, but like my parents were like I'm not buying you $100 skateboarding shoes. You just started skateboarding. Like, you can have these from Walmart. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> we'll settle for that. But I remember, like, going to the bus stop that first day of school. And, and like, literally, by one of my best friends, Russ, we still talk to this day. He was like, you're such a poser. Like, you don't skateboard. And, th like, that coming from someone that was, like, my friend, like, I, I got so offended and, like, I'm going to show them, like, I'm not a poser. But it would be like that kind of throughout my high school and, like, early 20s. Like, it didn't matter. If I if I wanted to be relatable to somebody, I felt like I had to shift who I was externally to, like, fit in. And despite who I knew that I was on the inside, which I do feel like I always knew who that person was, but never was given the opportunity to express it fully Yeah. Um, in those years. So, I remember when Jason and Misty moved down to Destin, they uh, they decided they were going to move down there to become the the general managers of two lineage sub shops at the time, um, which was based in Hattiesburg, and they had uh, decided to put some down down by the beach, and I helped them move down here. Me and my buddy Phillips, um, we. We got in the U-Haul and, like, just moved down here with them. And, and like, you know, they, they were still living their life at that time a little bit different than, than how they are now, you know. I remember coming back right before they got married. But I was noticing something different when, it, when we got down there for their wedding. Jason had moved out of their, their house that they, they were living together at the time, and they had they were separated now and I stayed with him that night. Um, one of the nights that we were down there and he, all, the, the way he explained it to me, I mean, I was like 12 years old at the time, 13 years old. He was like, we're live, we're not living together until we get married. And that sowed a seed into me of understanding honor for your wife. And it was something so simple, and I didn't know it at the time, but that's what was actually happening. Mm. But that was the first time, because remember, I'd come from, you know, a divorced home. Mm -hmm. And and Mom and Michael, they had a great, great marriage and, and were a good example to me growing up. But I had never seen something like that to where he he was doing something at the time, and I didn't realize what he was doing, but he was doing something that was shaping me as a, a, a young teenager, and, and a seed was sown in that moment. And I was like, well, that's different from the Jason that I know. Like, yeah. they, they were living together, and we stayed at their house, and now they're not living together, but they're about to get married, and they're going to be living together. 
I was just like trying to reconcile it all in my brain, you know, at that time. Um, but yeah, so they, they, Jason and Missy have been a huge influence in my life. Through my teenage years, I was always able to come down to Destin. We would typically come down for like spring break, like me and my friends. And, you know, they would always open up our home to like me and my girlfriend at the time. And, you know, we'd have to sleep separately or, you know, whatever. And, you know, trying to be sneaky and all that stuff that comes along with being a a rebellious teenager. Um, (laughs) But uh, they, they were always a constant. To backtrack a little bit, we went to their their church at the time was CI for their wedding right the night before their wedding night and that was my first time to really experience like the the wild side of God if you will yeah. i mean we walked in there and like there was there was tambourines <laughs> there was flags there was people like what i thought mumbling around at the time like but they were praying in tongues but they were like, I was like, where are they speaking a different language here? Like, but, and that's what I thought. Cause they got flags all on the roof of like different, like kind of how we do at the Southgate, but like three times more of all the different nations. Yeah. And it was just, I was like, man, the music's different. Cause I, I was raised Southern Baptist as well. And you know, you just, it was hymns and 10, 15 minutes of hymns. And then, you know, maybe 30 minutes of preaching. And then, you know, you're going to, Texas Roadhouse or, or Ryan's for uh, for lunch. Good old you, Ryan's. You know, you, you're in, you're done with lunch by twelve thirty. Um, but like, and, and it was at night too. I was like, they have service at night, like on a Friday. This is crazy. <laughs> and, and so like, that was my first time to be exposed to like, re- really the the Trinity, the Godhead, like Father, Son, and Spirit. And I just remember being in there and feeling like wow, this is pretty cool. Like, I don't know what this is, but if Jason and Misty like it, like, okay. Like, I, I, I look up to them, so, as my, my brother and sister, so, like, maybe I can like this stuff, too, you know? Yeah. And that was when I was, like, 12 or 13, like, right before I made the choice to go the other way um, for many years. Um, but within those many years, there was, there was addiction. There was... Um, you know, a lot of rebellion, uh, a lot of manipulation on my end, um, a lot of codependency um, with my parents, um, manipulating to get my way type stuff. And through that time, I I became like addicted to, you know, like heroin and different kinds of opiates, you know, smoking, drinking, all those things. But the, the main thing was a needle in my arm, you know. And I could, I would like, be like, all right, I'm tired of this crap. And I would come down to Destin and stay with Jason and Misty. Sometimes for like a couple of weeks, sometimes for a whole summer, sometimes two or three years at a time. But I, I would keep going back and forth from Hattiesburg to Destin. I'd be like, start getting the itch again and like, oh, I still want to party. So I'd go back to Hattiesburg mm. and just jump right back in. <clears throat> and, and I eventually stopped going back and forth and just found it in Destin and was like, I don't have to leave anymore. I like the beach, you know, I'm just going to stay down here. It'll be great. (laughs) Definitely wasn't great. (laughs) One of the last times I I was working with my brother and uh, living with him at the same time, it was when we were living in Inlet Beach. He, he kicked me out of the house and fired me on Christmas Eve. 
I'll never forget that. And I slept in my car. <laughs> I slept on my car Christmas Eve. It's funny now. I was like, I was so mad, dude. But like, he had every right to do it. And he had like given me multiple opportunities. This dude would tell me how many milligrams I had like shot up, like by the Holy Spirit. And I would try to lie to him. And he would tell me, you cannot lie to me, Justin. Like, I know, I know exactly what what you've done the holy spirit is revealing these things to me on your behalf like stop stop it <laughs> stop it uh, but uh so that happened and then <clears throat> there was still you know a few more years of me just you know getting clean and um not not surrendering you know i, I hate the term getting clean and getting sober it's not my perspective i know that helps a lot of people to, to think in those terminologies but you're free or you're not yeah Wow, and and I, I wasn't free, and I wasn't surrendering and submitting. That that was my thing. I had a huge issue with authority as well, and I think subconsciously, like me surrendering and submitting to like the transcendent authority of the universe. Like I was like, I'm not doing that because I knew if I did that, what that meant. Yeah, you know, I knew that my personality like I'm either going to be all in on on this or all in on that mm -hmm. and <clears throat> it scared me honestly but I remember uh the I'll, I'll skip a bunch of the stuff there was there were so many things where, where Jason and Misty were were structural within within that and always opening their home to me and and not just because I was their brother but because like the love that they had for me and you know what they saw in me and like my true identity even when I couldn't see it I remember you know Misty told me one time I'll share this and then I'll skip way forward for sake of time but she had put on Don Potter and would go on a run down the beach I'm trying to remember the name of the song but it, it was an old Don Potter song and she she was like like crying and weeping and like telling me that she was crying and weeping on the beach while she's going on a run like interceding on my behalf like and I'd never heard that from anybody like that cared that much like yeah. even my parents you know like obviously they cared but they didn't know how to handle the whole situation because um, they weren't doing it you know through prayer well that I knew of at the time I, kn I know that my parents were praying for me during all that but my perspective was like they were just trying to control me mm -hmm. but they were praying for me it was like actually verbalized, you know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, the the last my my final surrender when I when I threw up the white flag was uh let's see that was like 2016 2017 I think I was living on the streets again and going back and forth like and I I'd made that choice I was living with, with mom and dad at the time at their house and had you know just started stealing again and using again doing whatever I could to to get that next fix and ended up uh splitting time between my car and this guy's house that I would stay at and I remember going to Jason and I don't remember if I texted him or called him or what but I was like dude I feel the spirit of death here like like I smell it and I feel it and I don't know what that means and he was like do something about it he wasn't like a pity party like oh my gosh I'm so sorry like you know I'm opening my home to you again yeah no, it was like do something about it Justin he was like we're going to church to this place called the summit if you want to go with us and I was like okay and it was when they were uh they were just visiting a friend in 
at the Destin campus at the time. And I was like, all right, I'll go with you guys. And I'm like in full withdrawals. And like, we didn't really know uh, Pastors Chris and Nikki at the time, you know, but they were, they were down there that day. And Pastor Nikki was leading worship. And, and I'm like in full withdrawals, like hating it. But at the same time, I was, everything that was sung was like a declaration over me. Yeah. Like, I don't remember the exact song, but I remember like just being at a breaking point. And it was uh, not even, well, during that service, they had advertised something called the House of Refuge that uh, they had started for like um, young men that were, you know, going through drug issues. And I was like, and, and I asked Jason, I was like, do you know about this? And he was like, dude, I had no idea. I've never been here before. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, man, this is freaking weird. Because, <laughs> like, like, I'm still trying to, to reconcile, do I want to keep going with this? Because, I mean, when you're in that crap, man, it's like, it, it, it does become your identity. Yeah. You know, back to what yeah. we were talking about earlier, it, it consumes you. And, and you, it is so hard to get out of that. And I remember being like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to do this. And, and we called or we put it, me, I went back, I told mom what I wanted to do. She was like, I was like, I want to go to rehab. I want to, you know, I, but I don't want to go to like a regular rehab. There's this place. It's free. Um, it's in Crestview. Like I want to, I want to go to this. And, you know, we did a, an online application and Joe and Julie Taylor, they uh, were running it at the time and they, um, they called us that night, like right after we submitted the application and they were like, yeah, we have room, but, um, you can't be in withdrawals. Uh, you need to have gone through withdrawals before you come. And so I'm like, golly, like, I do not want to go through this. And so we, we kept looking and I was like, maybe I can just go to a clinic somewhere that will help me get through the withdrawals and, and we found that place, and it was in Panama City. And I remember mom drove, mom and dad drove me there that night, and dropped me off. And it was supposed to be for like, like a week, two weeks tops. I ended up staying there for five days. Never experienced one withdrawal symptom. Wow. And y'all, I was I was on it heavy, heavy, heavy. Wow. Didn't experience any withdrawals. Totally the Lord. It was like as soon as I was like, okay, I'm gonna say yes to this. It, just went away. Like, I, I don't know how to explain it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. and, and it, it was gone, you know, kind of like with the anxiety and the depression, it was just lifted and ended up going to the house of refuge was there for, you know, six months to a year, ended up, uh, like just fully going after the Lord. Like what was cultivated there for me at that time was like so good. And, you know, having Jason and Misty in my life, you know, up until that point, like, they had been speaking identity into me and I'd, you know, been gleaning from them, living with them here and there. And so like I had an idea, it was almost like I already knew who I was whenever I stepped into that realm. Yeah. It was like, I can do this. And like, this is Justin. And it was so easy to just step into that. Like immediately, you know, the goal is never to like be in a leadership position or anything like that. I was never aiming at that. But because I knew who I was so much already and then was, like, fed that more every single day for six months to a year, yeah. I got placed in these positions where I was able to, like, basically return the favor to the guys that were in the house and became a leader in the house. 
and I honestly didn't even want to do that. Just I just wanted to pursue the Lord, but within that place, I was also able to see how me pursuing the Lord affects other people. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you're trying to be a leader or not, you're going to affect those that that are around you. Yeah, you know, um, whether it's in proxi- close proximity with people living with you or you know, just going to church with people, like your expression of your authentic expression is going to come off on other people mm. and it's going to, it has the potential to lead them a certain way, mm-hmm. you know, to, to be firing in their, or wind in their cells. I'm going to say fire in their flames. <laughs> I don't know if that would make sense. Oh, it would. Ezekiel. Actually, it would. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. The flame within the flame. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Um, <clears throat> so all that happened. End up going to Brazil on a mission trip. Super powerful time going there. I, I told the Lord, I was like, I want to go to Brazil. And within a week, I raised enough money to <clears throat> go, to pay for that trip in full. And so we went down there. It was me, Jason, Misty, the boys, Ethan and Landon, uh, Chris, Nikki, Trey was with us. I think Michael Kitchens was with us. It was a big little group, little big group, big little group. <laughs> Anyway, that that was a powerful time. That was really cool. Ended up meeting a girl down there who I eventually ended up getting engaged to, which is crazy. And during that time that I was engaged, uh, my brother and I, we went to what was at the time the Summit Louisiana campus in uh, Metairie, and I met Fallon for the first time, but I was still engaged during this time. She'll tell you that she thought I was so cool. I did. I, I thought was, he was cool. Was he had cool guy. He had like long dreads, and he like those dreads the... were terrible guys. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, he was cool, and I was like, oh my gosh, he's cool and he's cute. And then I found out he was engaged, and I was like, all right, not talking to that. <laughs> but, but but we did meet each other. Yeah, and we had like really good conversation, and I remember you telling me like you're engaged and yeah. but y'all were long distance and it's right. kind of hard. And I was like, man, like I was genuinely like, I really hope it works out for y'all. Like it was yeah. cause I felt bad for you just cause I knew that you like really cared and right. it was just a lot for you. And I was like, I really hope it works out. Yeah. That was definitely a difficult time. Just, uh, everything that, that her and I went through during that time was for her personally and for, like, me as well, but it, it helped both of us grow. She's a great girl, you know. It it just, it ended. Um, it came down to, like, us living here or not, and she couldn't leave her family, and I, I honor that. I respect that. Yeah. Um, but the last time we talked, it was like, we. I knew that it was going to be the last time that we talked, and I was like, all right, if it's not her, then you have somebody for me, Ava. I know you do. And I went on a mission to find my wife. Uh, it, that, I'll be 100% transparent. I moved to Louisiana to find my wife. And it, there wasn't necessarily anything spiritual about it. I just wanted to hit reset and go do something completely different. Went and ended up working, doing electrical stuff that I'd never done before. Um, the Lord really just provided in that, in that time of my life for me to be able to go there and um, me be sustained financially. And, and I tried to get set up. They tried to hook me up with every girl in that church, I swear. Um, I was just except like, for me. Except for Fallon. Except for me. Everyone, ex- yeah, it was yeah. so weird. Yeah, they were trying to get me all the white girls. <laughs> yeah. Funny thing, they, uh, Lauren Burstall, who 
was there at the time. She's married now. We found out we are cousins, oh, and and they were trying to hook us up. So that was that was kind of funny. It's like through marriage, fifth cousin. So it would have been okay, but it's yeah, it would have been all right. Still weird. <laughs> Wait, you still guys are cousins? Yeah. Yeah. How, how deep is it? Kiss fifth cousin? Kiss oh, cousin. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. You're good. Oh <laughs> yeah, that was it, weird. Anyway, um, there there was that time that I was there in Louisiana, and and I lived there for I don't know, it was a couple years, um, two or three years. I had still not, you know, found quote unquote the one, you know. And you were I, interested in yeah. other girls, but yeah, it never nothing ever happened. Yeah. Yeah, and there, I was interested was in you there. first, and I didn't know that. Yeah, I liked you first, mm-hmm. and I was low key kind of upset that right. everyone was like trying to like hook you up with not hook up but like try to get you to like be with all the other girls yeah matchmaking and i was like this dude just got he just moved here like he just started coming to church he needs to be seated (laughs) those are my words i was like he needs to be seated that's right but i was low-key kind of like she was, she was scheming. I was scheming. Here I am, and I'm not his cousin. Yeah. So where are you at? Yeah. He could be seated and talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sit right next to me. But I did not try to do, I did not try to pursue or anything. I just kind of let whatever happened with him, I just yeah. watched from afar. And and then me and uh, me and Gary Spears were, were texting one day, and it was like this light bulb went off. Dude. I think Fallon might actually be my wife. And he like, like did like the exclamation point thingy. That whenever you like the message, you hit the exclamation points. And he was like, are you serious? And like, he was like, you know, kind of helped me walk through that of uh, like making sure that. Didn't you, know, you tell I, I Jason was, too though? I was, and he yeah, was like, about time you figured that out. Yeah. Because he knew. Yeah. Jason had said he was going to write write the name of my wife on it before I moved to Louisiana on a piece of paper and put it in his office. I don't know if he ever did that. I should ask him and see if her name's on it. It'd be funny if it was somebody else. He'd be like, ah, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, he, uh, he, he was aware as well. He did say that. She, was, she had started dating somebody around that time that I was like, started kind of liking her and was like, huh, wonder what's going on here. And she, uh, she was in a relationship, and they had broken up. Um, I don't know. Did y'all had y'all broken up when we weren't when I even talked to you at church that day? We weren't even dating. We went on a few dates. Oh, okay. so we were seeing where it was, and by date number two, I knew he wasn't the one. Yeah. I could feel it. Like I just knew it wasn't the Lord. And he made uh, you pay for the check. No, he was actually <laughs> everything that I wanted. Like everything that I wanted. Oh, that I thought I wanted. Yeah. Um, kind of like what Apostle Damon said, you don't know what you like. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> but yeah, you know, and um, yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, he was great. And he was a gentleman. He was a gentleman. He was like perfect, you know, in my eyes. But that didn't mean anything to me if I did not have peace. And I did not have peace about the relationship. Yeah. And um I like felt sick to my stomach. Like I, I knew that I couldn't continue, and so I ended things. And then literally right after I ended things with him, that's when Justin. You want to tell him what what I told you before worship that that, <laughs> that Sunday? 
I don't think right it's after. necessary, oh, but... Oh, it's necessary now. Yeah. Well, I was crying because I was... It's kind of ironic because we, we weren't together or anything. We were point. not together. We were just, you know, friend. we were friends. We were, everyone was friends. We were all hanging out and just friends. Like, we were really close. And I was... I think I was talking to Gary, I'm pretty sure, and, and someone Sean. else, and Miss Sean, and yeah. I was crying, and I was like, I thought this guy was the one. Like, I don't feel peace, and... Da, 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 and just you know crying and um justin steps in and goes hey <laughs> <laughs> in his pink button-down shirt yep. he was like hey you are worth i don't know what you said you said something it was very like direct like i said you need a man that can lead you into the deeper things of god yeah Ooh. that's and I was That's like, what I told her. Okay. Hey. Like she wasn't even on the radar or anything at that point. But yeah. The other <laughs> Sarah, do you need some water? It's all those ice cream bars. <laughs> she hasn't coughed like this all week. She waits until we have the podcast. That's how it goes. Every time with worship, too. I'm like, have yeah. you been sick for two weeks? Yeah. So the day before I have to lead. Let me just, uh, just let me just go and my nose hack up this lung real quick. Got <laughs> <laughs> phlegm all over the microphone. Oh my god! <laughs> Sorry to ruin y'all's moment. No, you're deeper like, things of God. Uh, yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's. I mean, that's kind of what it was. Like the guy that I was dating at or going on dates with. Like I knew that he was not fully in. He just was not fully in, and I was fully in and I wanted to go deeper with the Lord and um he just was kind of making fun of it kind of cynical in a way and I was like you were not about to talk about my God like this like <laughs> you know what I mean just kind of like it wasn't serious I'm like this is serious for me this is my life like I have not turned back and I cannot be with I can't settle yeah for someone who's not serious about this because I knew if I did I would regret it forever yeah and so I ended it, and and then he and then Justin finally got some sense, and you know, and <laughs> finally, like, Don't finally, full circle, still. he it's it's like a light bulb went off for him, and he was like, oh my gosh, I think it's Fallon. And then you told Jason mm-hmm. that you liked yeah. me, or that you were interested, or you thought I was the one, whatever. And he was like, well, it's about time you've realized that. Yep. That's pretty awesome. But I'd already, like, I'd already been coming down to Florida. So, like, I kind of had a relationship with with Jason and Misty beforehand. um, Because I would come over to their house when I would come down here to Florida um, for, like, the conferences and different things at the summit. So, like, I kind of knew them, and they kind of knew me. But so it wasn't, like weird or that we didn't know that's right but anyway yeah that's we started dating and yeah it, it went pretty quick for us because i mean we were both i think i was was i 30 already yeah i had to have been I, so i was in my early 30s she was in her late 20s and we were like we kind of it was kind of one of those things like let's do this like we, we want to start we both wanted to start a family and so we we ended up we had to walk through a process for me 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 being stupid, um, and just not communicating well and keeping things and withholding mm-hmm. um, from her while we were dating. Um, 
but the Lord redeemed all that, and and I ended up proposing to her, and we were married three months later. We uh, we got um, we got married in March of twenty twenty one. Yep, got married March fourteenth, twenty twenty one. Went on our honeymoon, um, and came back with a present. Yeah, in, I was in, pregnant in her uterus. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. It wasn't purpose. Yes, yes. <laughs> we weren't pregnant with purpose. It wasn't purpose. This was a live human. Um, yeah. So, so we got married in March. We had Lily in December fourth of the same year. So we hadn't even been married a year. We got yet. engaged, married, and pregnant, and had a baby all within a year. All within a year. Yeah, almost to the date. <laughs> um, so that happened. And then Lily came, and she was she had to have been like six months ish around there, five six months, and we found out we were pregnant again. Yeah, she was six months because I was <laughs> like, I, I'm only six months postpartum, and I'm pregnant again. <laughs> I remember that it was six months because I said, Oh my gosh, I am six months pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know. Yeah, it um, was it was wild. It's it, it's been yeah. it's been wild. And then. Uh, we had Cedar on my birthday of this year, February 18th, 2023, which was wild in itself. Yeah. Just from going from, uh, Fallon's water breaking at home to us or to Cedar coming forth, like was wild. She had Cedar in the van, um, Mm -hmm. in the parking lot of the birth center. Um, that was such a holy moment like it was so good like yeah. me and lily and her and the midwife were there in 32 degrees outside while she's giving birth in the passenger seat lily's watching i'm watching <laughs> <laughs> it was it was really cool it really was lily was a little scared at first but she she calmed down she was like why is mommy making all these primal noises <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah so cedar uh we can kind of jump into his story a little bit. Yeah, most definitely. Um, he was born on the 18th, um, and then March 2nd, he began to experience seizures. We were changing him in the middle of the night one night, and all of a sudden, he like did this weird thing. I, I, I honestly, I thought he died, like. Just being 100% transparent, we were changing his diaper. He completely locked up, quit breathing, and was like, almost looked rigor mortis. Like, that's how his body looked. And uh, we, I was just like holding him and like kept saying his name, like Cedar, Cedar, Cedar. And I was like, babe, something's not right. Like, something's going on. And uh, we, we ended up taking him to the hospital. He came back too, obviously. Like, and we were like, "What the crap's happening?" We're like, "Okay, we'll, we'll take him to the hospital." So we did that, and <clears throat> he was diagnosed with uh, bacterial meningitis. Found out that like the seizures were um, from his sodium level going low because of the uh, bacterial meningitis. And he yeah. Al- so what he was having, they said he had like, I guess he had a few strokes, and yeah. um, obviously he was having seizures right what was happening so we had been home with him for 12 days had a perfect birth like everything was fine and then this happened 
Um, and yeah, we went to the emergency room. They were they they acted very quickly, yeah. and you know by that maybe a few hours later they they told us like he does have bacterial meningitis and he's had several strokes on top of all the seizures because he was seizing for like every 15 minutes. Um, and I really think it was the Lord that sustained him all the way through because I mean, like Justin said, he, he, we thought he was gone and that was very scary. Um, but I really think the Lord sustained him throughout all of that. Um, it, like it, I know it was the Lord because there's no way like seizing that many times and having strokes and you know what I mean? And like not breathing and it was wild. Um, it's still wild. Yeah. If you want to go, if y'all have any questions, y'all can jump in. I know. <clears throat> I think one of the things that I thought about was, I think, you know, we were talking about one night when you guys were over here when we were watching live stream of Apostle was how this is affecting not just you guys, but I'm sure you guys are getting text messages, um, direct messages in, you know, Facebook, Instagram, just about kind of almost a testimony about how it's changing them as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, how, you know, people are just feeling this thing of faith really rise up, courage, boldness, a deeper relationship with Abba. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure Mary, when, you know, she knew that her son was going to be birthed, that he was going to be who he was going to become, but she probably never, you know, would have been like, oh, my gosh, my son is about to die. Right. Like this for everyone. Yeah. And no one wants to see their, their kid go through something, but for, you know, all of mankind to be saved, it was worth it. Right. right. And, and, and so I'm trying to be very careful, but you guys know my oh, heart in this. So it's like... You know, seeing what you guys are going through with Cedar, but hearing how a lot of people, I mean, we're seeing progress being made with Cedar, right. and we're celebrating the now and the later, right. but also seeing the fact that people are like, man, what, what's going on with your son has really brought me closer to Abba yeah. in such an incredible way that I feel like now whenever I do pray for Cedar or whenever I do pray for other people, I am feeling such a shift that I've never felt before. Right. And so what, what has that been like for you guys? What has shifted in your guys' hearts, your minds, your emotions, everything? Um, I think for me, um, kind of like what you said, no one wants to see their child suffer, much less like a baby who was just yeah. born. I think for me, when everything started, obviously I was emotional. For me, the message of beloved identity has kind of helped me stay grounded in what we're going through with Cedar just because I think initially if I didn't hear the message of beloved identity my thoughts would have been what did I do to deserve this yeah. what did Justin do in order for this to happen to our son and like seeing Abba as like a judge and like oh my god like he's the Lord is mad at us. Like, why did, why is this happening to us? And I think because I have been hearing the, the message of beloved identity and just being immersed in that, I know that the Lord is good and that good is still coming from this. Um, even though it's painful to walk through, like, I know that good is coming from this. I mean, I've had people message me who I don't really know or, don't talk to and they're like, Hey, I'm not 
a religious person at all, but like I am praying for your son and it's like, wow, okay. And just, I don't know, just, just feeling like faith arise in other people and like, um, and having hope. Like, I feel like for me personally, this has really pushed me to have bold faith, um, like not backing down, even, even in the midst of like having doubts about everything that's going on with Cedar, I still have faith and I still have hope. Um, and I know that the Lord is good and I know that he loves us and he loves Cedar. Yeah, I think, I think for me, the, the foundation of just knowing and having beloved identity has really helped me. Otherwise I would, I don't know what would happen. I would question the Lord or just, I feel like that shame would try to come on or like guilt or like, <laughs> you know, like what do we do to deserve this? Cause I've had that mindset in the past and, you know, I've talked to um, Mama Missy and, and Pops about it, more so Mama Missy, but, like, she knows I've had the thoughts of, like, you know, why are we going through this? Or, like, is the Lord punishing me because of this and that? Or, like, seeing him as judge. Um, but knowing that, knowing who I am in the Lord and, like, knowing him as Abba and that he loves us, like, I know that he did not cause this. Yeah. But he's using it for good. Yeah. And even just with my with my emotions, like yes, it's been an emotional roller coaster, and I still have peace. Yeah, if that makes sense, and I'm yeah. still able to go into devotion and like obviously express my emotions to the Lord, but not spiral, not spiral out into this like thing of I don't know, not spiral out. I, I will say that peace has been a constant despite like all the scariness that mm. has happened. I mean, we've had the doctors come in and like tell us some really scary stuff about Cedar. Like this is what his life is going to be like. Um, This is what you need to expect. Like pretty much saying like he's going to be in a vegetative state and I could feel like the heaviness of we both felt it in that moment of the doctor like coming in. You can feel kind of like this heaviness that he had when he was delivering the news to us. We can feel it trying to come on us. And like, we were like, no, like we are not, we are not going to, going to accept what you're saying. We didn't tell him that, but like we, it's like we felt that heaviness trying to come on. And we were like, no, we are not going to receive this about, our son, yep. um, we do not come into agreement with, with all the things that you said. Like he will have an abundant life. He will live life fully. He will be able to walk and talk and play sports and, and be independent. Um, and so, you know, we are standing on what we believe and what we know. And I've never seen like a physical manifestation, like miracle, but I'm still believing and maybe yeah. I'll see it through my son or I will see it through my son. Um, and even just like hearing other people's testimonies. Um, I've had a lot of people share testimonies and that has helped us a lot. And it's encouraged us a lot to know that like, if the Lord can do it for them, I know he'll do it for my son too. Like yeah. this is nothing that he can't do. Like, That's and it seems so impossible. Like, how can a brain be restored or like how can brain tissue just, I don't know, you know, 
grow out of nowhere. And so like, that's what I'm believing for, you know, like I'm believing for something that is, it seems impossible. Um, and it seems super just radical and crazy, honestly, but I'm not settling for anything less. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yes, same thing. I mean, it's just since since it happened, <clears throat> since that night that Cedar had that first seizure, and and we thought that he was dying, like from that moment when the fear tried to come on, it was like a choice. I made a choice in that moment, like no, I don't accept that. And it's like I gave fear back to the Lord, and was like, here, give me give me your peace. Yeah. And I took that, and like. I'm so glad that, that Jason has been talking about, you know, over it was several months ago, but, you know, the peace that, that passes understanding. Yeah. And that's what I had to grab a hold of in, in that moment. And even now, I still, I still hold on to that. And then just my process through this is like learning to become the priest of the home and, and standing firm in, in the foundation that is Yahshua and not allowing the storm to blow us because the way I look at it, and I know we don't have videos, so I'll describe this the best way that I can, but it's like I'm standing, if you can imagine concrete and I'm standing and my feet are locked in and have been concreted over, but that concrete is like the heart of Yeshua. Mm. And this, this storm is coming at us and, you know, Lily Cedar and, and Fallon are all behind me. And like, as the priests, just like facing that storm head on and any wind, any debris, any crap that tries to come, like it, it can't hit them, but not because I'm standing in front of them, but because my feet are anchored in the heart of Yeshua. That's good, man. And of course, we've been emotional through this, you know, and processing those emotions and like hearing negative report after negative report, you know. People in the medical field, bless their hearts. I love them. My mother's a nurse. But, like, they're, they're so caught up in what they know to be truth yeah, based off science. And we just believe a bigger truth. Right. You know, our, our truth, like Fallon was saying, like, we're believing for a creative miracle in Cedar's brain. But at the same time, if you look at the the MRIs of Cedar's brain and how he's how he is, like, with us, you know, just laying there and everything, they don't match up. Yeah. And so we're just continuing to believe for, for rewiring and mm-hmm. a miracle, you know. And it, it has been encouraging from people, you know, sharing their testimonies, but also people in our family at the Southgate and extended family, you know, with uh, at, at the homestead and, and all the other brothers' houses, like, Anytime that, that I know that we're going through something, I know that they're all praying. Yeah. Like, I know everybody yeah. in our house is praying. And it's not like this uh, this little petty, like, oh, we're praying for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, no, you know that they are contending for the same things that yeah. you are. Mm-hmm. And, like, in that moment, whenever that doctor came in to try to tell us that, you know, Cedar was going to be brain dead pretty much, like, and that fear tried to come on, you know, I told Jason, and he relayed it to Apostle. And Apostle's response that Jason relayed to me was, those reports are bullcrap. Yeah. Like, and that's such a simple statement, but that brought so much peace. He said those reports are lies. Yeah, those reports are lies. 
Bull crap lies. Same thing. <laughs> scuba life. <laughs> scuba life. It's all scuba life. But yeah, like, just, it's so important to be connected to family, man. Yeah. Because like, when, when you're, when you're going through crap. Well, it helps whenever we are too tired to pray or we don't know yeah. what to pray anymore. I mean, I've had times where I'm like, I don't even know what to pray and I've cried all of my tears but I know that we have family standing with us and praying for us. And Jesus is praying like he's interceding on Cedar's behalf and he's interceding for us too. And so, you know, when we don't know what to pray or we're too tired mentally and emotionally and physically tired, just not getting sleep or anything, it's like, okay, like <coughs> I know that we have family standing with us and praying for us and believing with us you know, for a miracle for Cedar. And yeah. so yeah. I am so thankful. I'm bl- I, I yeah, told Justin sure. frequently, I'm like, I am blown away. I'm blown away. Yeah. Like, I'm so thankful for what we have. Like, I'm thankful for our kingdom family and for our family. And I mean, they have random strangers like messaging us and, you know, giving to us financially and, I'm blown away. I'm like, who are we to, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And so, all I can, I'm, I'm just like, I don't know what to say. Like, Lord, but thank you. Like, yeah, it sucks the situation that we're in, but like, I am so thankful for our family. I don't know how people <coughs> deal with life and like hard things without the Lord. Well, I do know they like turn to drugs or whatever. Like, yeah, but like, it's they cope. They yeah, but I'm like, I'm just thankful. Yeah, I'm super thankful. Yeah, I think one of the main things that comes to mind is uh, some of the scripture because this is, I mean, this is real life now. Yeah, it's different from like you know reading scripture and being like, oh yeah, that worked out for them. Right. Or you know, yeah. it's it's the scripture that comes to mind is when um, somebody was going up to Jesus, something was happening with a specific family. And they were like, well, whose fault is this? Is this the mom's fault or is this the dad's fault? What did they do? What sin mm-hmm. did they commit? Mm-hmm. That's the first thing that came to mind whenever you said yeah. that because it locks in fear. It locks mm-hmm. in. It's easy to place blame yep. for the reason why something like this happens. Yep. And the response was none of them. Nothing happened. That's All right. of this is being done so that way the glory of God can be revealed overall. That's right. And that's the very purpose for our lives yeah. is for the glory of God to be revealed in right. any and all sorts. We cannot say... God, we want you, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like. And then as soon as something crazy happens, we go back to him like, oh, God, what did I do? I'm sorry. The first thing we start to do is repent. We start Mm -hmm. to, we, we, what do we do? We take our eyes from off the lamb Mm -hmm. and we start to examine ourselves, which is completely opposite of beloved identity. Mm -hmm. We examine ourselves when we were never called to examine because then we'll start to find one thing that we did wrong or something that, that's off, and we'll say, this is the reason, and we'll, we'll go and confess it to a leader yeah. or something crazy, you know, something yeah. drastic. But I, 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 find, I find that scripture so much more relevant, it, you know. It is, absolutely. And it, it's not to compare, you know, with what you guys are going through, but, you know, when, when Sarah and I were going through things with our kids, whether it be Audrey with her eyes, Elijah with, you know, the mask that was going on on the back of his head, Gabby breaking her leg, it was like, man, it's the trifecta. You know, my my back, Sarah's skin. It's it's like, what did we do, God? 
it, it we couldn't get we looked at each other one night we were like we can't catch a break yeah you know what's what's going on but it's like the testimony that's going to come from this that's is right. going to reveal the goodness of god it doesn't matter how long because this life mm-hmm. is a vapor yeah you know it, it flies mm-hmm. by so quickly but the, his the glory will be revealed it's going to be to the point to where we did nothing but surrender that's right we still find joy we found it we find it, and we're going to continue to walk in the joy mm-hmm. that only can come from him through these crazy circumstances. And right. we're just, we're looking and saying, and I think the thing that matters the most is is being able to go through this and still be like, man, God, you're still good. Yep. And we thank you. Yep. We thank you. Yep. That's, I'm telling you, because people are going to be like, how in the world yep. are you guys going through what you're going through and still remain... How can you have joy in a moment like this? Mm-hmm. Who gets the glory for it? Yeah. Because that's when you're like, man, I'm joy. It's not my joy, it's his. Yeah. And I put his joy on as a cloak. That's right. So it's it's and I, you know, I've heard you guys say that countless times. It's his joy is your strength. You're, it really is. It's the reason why you guys are able to get up every morning and mm-hmm. still be able to look at Cedar in the face, still look at us in the face, still yeah. come to Southgate and look at family in the face and say, he still continue to lead, to leave the hospital and come to church on Saturday nights and lead worship right. at the capacity that you guys do. And now it's like through this, I, I feel like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but revelation has been given as to when you guys now sing, it doesn't come, not to say that you have before, but it doesn't come from a, oh, we're just going to sing songs. But it's like, you guys are like, no, listen, things yeah. have to change now. Yeah. There's yeah. a new authority. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. There, there's an authority through your experience, the things that you go through, and it all it doesn't matter what you're going through. Yeah. If you keep your your focus and your gaze on Him, it, even like like you were saying with leading worship, like there has been a shift in us. Like we just want to lift up the name of Jesus. Yeah. That's all we want to do. We want to glorify Him, sing to Him. Mm-hmm not sing about our experiences and what we're going through and the emotions we're feeling from it. Just him. Um, I did want to share that. So like going through everything with that's happening with Cedar. Um, I feel like I was confronted with, okay, is the Lord really good? And kind of what you were saying, Derek, like, I feel like in our culture, like, it's so easy for us to be like, oh, the Lord is so good, and, like, we sing songs about him being good, and, you know, I feel like, for me, I guess for me, I can say this now, because I, I, like, from what I'm going, what I'm going through, but it's like, we sing those songs, and they're great, and, you know, we say that he's good, and, but do we actually, like, mean that? Mm. You know, or are we just singing these songs because it's like the thing to do and everyone else is singing it and, you know, the worship song sounds great and, you know, I'm feeling good. Like, I got money in the bank account. I got this. I got that. Everything's great. Like, my family's great. But when you're going through stuff, it you really are confronted. Like, I know I was confronted um, or just kind of really checking myself and checking my heart like okay do I do I actually believe that he's good because right now it feels like we're in the middle of a storm and we don't know what's going to happen when when it passes we don't know what it's going to what is my foundation going to look like when this storm passes yeah you know because we don't know the outcome we know the outcome 
<laughs> but going through it, it's like I don't know what the outcome, I don't know what that looks like. And so it, I think for me it's, it's really just opened my eyes to be like, okay, do, are we actually believing what we're singing or what we're praying? Like, yeah. and it is bringing revelation. Like, I feel like I'm, I don't know. Like, I was watching The Chosen. I finally finally finished the third season. I'm like, man, I'm. Is it Peter? I'm Peter. Like, Peter questioned the Lord and was like emotional and you know, everything that he was going through. And I'm like, I feel like Peter right now. Like he was real and he was raw and he questioned the Lord and the Lord met him where he was like in his questioning in the middle of the storm, like walking on the water in that storm. And I was like, that's what I feel right now. That's at the time. That's what I was feeling. Um, I mean, we've been in the hospital for almost 60 days. It's been about 60 days and we don't know when, when, when we're going to be discharged yet, but yeah, I think just, I don't know, I'm like, I'm like, man, do we actually believe what we're saying? Yeah. And it's almost like a reality check. It is a reality check. It's like, do we believe, you know, what we say we believe, or are we just saying it for fluff? Yeah, that's good. And I can say, like, I'm not saying it for fluff, because I'm in this storm, and I know that the Lord is good, and I'm still seeing His goodness, and I'm getting a lot of revelation. I'm, I feel like I'm living out things that we're reading in the Bible. You know yeah. what I mean? Yep. And so, and, and living out things that we're being taught too. And so it's like, I don't know, it's really awesome. And I know that's weird to say, like, while we're in the middle of this storm. But it is awesome to say, like, no, the Lord is good. And I know that he's good. And, you know, without, like, questioning. Like, there's no doubt I, I can say there's like no doubt inside of me that's like questioning whether he's good or not or if he's going to heal or this and that or who, is he who he s- says that he is, you know, and that's just, I don't know, that's just something else I wanted to share and like, I don't know, it's almost like I want to just shake people and be like, okay, but do you actually believe or like, yeah. do you actually know that like he really is good or are you just saying it just to say it, but yeah, anyway. It can definitely be common Christian lingo. Yeah, it's yeah. a trend. Yeah. We, we, it's kind of, you know, we'll, we'll hear other people say it, and then they'll hear, we'll hear their definition of why he's good. Mm-hmm. But then, and I'm, I'm not saying that people have to go tr- through a traumatic experience right. to know that he's good. Yeah. Right. But it's like, you kind of, you, you don't want to question yeah. their mm-hmm. heart, but it's like, you just want to kind of challenge them. Why right. is he good? Yeah. In a way, you know, to where they're like, well, I think he's good because of this. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that their their answers would be wrong. Yeah, their experience is yeah. their experience. But you kind of want them to be like, man, I, I kind of want to wake you up a little bit to see, yeah. you know, kind of how the four living creatures are seeing how he's good. Right. You know, or the, the rank, the order of the angelic. Right. You know, all all the eyes that are up there, yeah. you know, the 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 cloud of witnesses. Mm-hmm. the elders, yeah. there's a reason why they cannot take their eyes off of him yeah. in a different perspective of good that we have yet to venture into. Right. Go ahead, Sarah. I see that you had something. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I long for those encounters with, with the, uh, the cloud of witnesses to be able to gain that, that perspective. Yeah. I, I long to engage with them to where it's like, I want to see what you're seeing now. 
so that way I can walk in that level of goodness with Abba, the Enoch walk. Yeah. What I think is cool, though, is that we can experience it both ways. Because I don't, I don't know if the angels can say that he's good, how I can say that he's good. Oh, man. Because of yeah. what we're going through. Wow. We're the university of the angels. They're learning from yeah. our experience right now. But That's we good. still, but I, I do believe, too, that we can experience yes. and see the Lord in, that, in the same way that they can. Yeah. You know, because he's so good. Like, he will, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's like, I don't know. Um, it, he's awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Praise be. Well, Sarah, sure, you don't have anything? Okay. Um, we're definitely going to have the Rands back because yes. this is just part one. Yes. Um, and, and I, I, I look forward to having my fellow mystics. I love whenever <laughs> I get around you guys, y'all challenge me, man. You guys say some. That should be the new. Instagram group name instead of Twilight group. It's going to be yes. my fellow mystic. Yes. Putting our little private group chat on there. <laughs> the burning Twilight ones. Yeah. Oh, change, right. change the burning ones to My Chemical <laughs> Romance. <laughs> Alan would like that. The Fellowship of the Mystics. Yes. <laughs> mystic Society. Or Mystic Falls. Oh, mystic Lord. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> they had to make me think of something. Reading Ezekiel real quick. I just wanted to say this. In Ezekiel's vision, <clears throat> he sees the four living creatures with four wings and two arms. And John sees the four living creatures with six wings. Mm-hmm. So at some point, their their arms, this is just kind of my perspective on it, at some point, their their arms transformed into wings, and their wings had eyes, right, mm-hmm. in and out. So they went from having four eyes in and out that could see the throne, and then they needed two more to see just how much was going on in the throne room, yeah. have those addi- that additional vision to be able to, like, comprehend everything. Wow. That was just kind of my take from it. That's interesting. But they grew wings with eyes. I want a wings with eyes. <laughs> anyway it's only funny because i feel like we could sit here for a whole another yeah. two to three hours yeah, really yeah, i'm like weird. how do we end this here justin yeah. sorry guys <laughs> no cliffhanger yeah this is going to be part two this is it has to be so we'll, we'll definitely have you guys on i do want to say this uh for those that are listening please 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 continue to pray for the Rand family yeah um good reports are coming but there's still you know, some things that, that I know that the Rands, that all of us are standing on tiptoe, really, um, to see the Lord do and that we know he's going to do. Yes. So do not stop your prayers. Let it continue. Let, let this continue to encourage all of you that are listening um, to just go in deeper with Abba. Yeah. You know, reach out to the Rands, send them some, some love, some encouragement. Um, also, just want to throw this little plug in there as well. If, you know, I, I hate saying if it's on your heart because it should always be on a lover of God's heart uh, to to continue to supply financially as well. Um, you know, they've been in the hospital for, you said, going on 60 days. Yeah, almost two months. Yeah. So let's um, let's continue to love on them in words, but also, you know, let's, let's uh, invest in them financially as well uh, to help them out um, with that. So, um, yeah. 
So I just want to, I thank you guys for coming through Thanks so much. I know we, we've been talking about doing this and getting dates, you know, fixed up and then, you yeah. know, things happen with right, Cedar right. and then, but thank you guys for coming in. Um, we're going to do this again real, real soon because I, I want to go into the weird things. I'm already right now. I know you are. <laughs> I see you shaking. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I thank you guys for coming through. Thank you, Sarah, for, for being here and hacking up along with us. <laughs> Praise be. Yeah. And then calling it the win. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you guys have a good day.